You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Oh, good evening. How are we doing? Good. Who's pumped? That music at the start was good. Did anyone see Pastor Brett dancing? You did? It'd be good if we could get him up again. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited and pumped to be up here tonight. Like, it's such a privilege to be able to speak in front of you all. So tonight I'm just going to take you on a little bit of a journey, a little bit of a small portion of my story, and I just want to share a few illustrations, a few stories as we go. So tonight I just want to touch on, sorry I've just lost my spot, <laughs> so how we can hear from God. And so as most of us know, if we've been in the church for any amount of time, that God is the best communicator there is. So God can communicate to us in any way that he feels fit. So tonight I'm just going to focus on three main areas that we can hear from God. Okay, so for anyone who's taking notes, my message is called Stop, Look and Listen. (laughs) So the first way I want to touch on is God can communicate to us audibly. However, this is probably the least likely form of communication that we will hear from God. So back in the Old Testament days, God used to speak to us, well, speak to his people audibly because they were separated from him because of sin. But we are so lucky that we are living in the New Testament days where God sent his son, Jesus, so now the veil was torn that we can have open communication with him so we don't have to hear from him audibly anymore. However, it's God. God can still do whatever he would like to do. So about 10 years ago, oh, it's a bit of bass. So about 10 years ago, I was driving home from Pizza Hut, parents' business, driving home. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm going a little bit fast because I just wanted to get home. And I'm coming up to a bridge where it's got a recommended speed of 40 kilometres an hour. So I'm doing probably a little bit more times that speed. So I just wanted to get home, so I'm coming in. You can't see the bridge until you get to it last moment. So as I'm driving... I'm just like zoned out, just wanted to get home. And then all of a sudden I yell out, slow down, you're going too fast. So I had no reason why I said that. I had no idea. So I've just looked down, quickly looked at my speed. Yeah, I was doing a few times faster than the speed limit. So I've quickly slowed right down. And as I've done that, I've come to the dip where you can see the bridge. So you can't see it until that last moment. So I've slowed down to 40 kilometres an hour. Then there's four kangaroos on the bridge. So it's over both lanes. So no matter what, I couldn't have done anything but hit the kangaroos or go off the edge. So in that moment, I knew that that was God speaking to me to slow down. So he basically saved my life. And I think that's the only way he could have got my attention in that moment. So the next way that we can hear from God is through his word, the Bible. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Bible is not just some old book. It is living and relevant right now. So God can speak to us in our current situation in a relevant way. Uh, So in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, All scripture is God breathed. So when I was doing a little bit of preparation for this, I was doing a bit of Googling. And then one thing it said is, if you want to hear God audibly, just read your Bible out loud because it's all God breathed. So approximately five years ago, I applied for the Queensland Police Service for my fifth time. So it was five years, so I, this was my fifth time, it was probably going to be my final time. So I applied, 
did all the normal testing, so I'd already been rejected every time before, so I tried to do the best preparation I could. So the fifth time, done all the normal testing, had the interview, well, I didn't even get to the interview, sorry, just did my first testing. I get an email probably two months in, and it says, sorry, Zian, unfortunately, you've been unsuccessful. However, would you like to apply for a, another position called Protective Services, which is like a security company, which is run and looked after by the police? So in that moment, I was just so heartbroken and just so frustrated as well that I thought that this was God's calling for my life was to be a police officer. But now that feels like it's been taken away. So I wanted to have nothing to do with this protective services, so I just forgot about it. Went on my way, did my own thing. Two months later to the day, I was just at home thinking, like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not going anywhere. I had no drive, and I just remember opening my Bible and reading Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I took a lot out of that at that moment. So I've cried out to God, show me what the next step is. Show me what I need to do next. And then I had an impression on my heart to just to go back to that email and read it again. So I've opened the email, I've read it again. And then as I'm reading, it says that the closing date for this protective services job was that day. So that, to me, that can only be God because God's timing is perfect. It is impeccable. So I've quickly had this, I had this really strong conviction that I had to apply. So I applied for it, put it in. So I'll continue that story very shortly. So God demonstrates how his communication skills are just so amazing. And like the scripture says in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God leads us through his word and he lights our path. He was speaking to my heart and he was in total control that whole time. As I've cried out to him, God has put that impression on my heart, that vision, to go back and check them emails. And his timing is just spot on. And that's been a big part of my life ever since. So I think sometimes for us to hear from God, we just need to read our Bible, give it all to him, and just surrender all. So I'll just continue on from, so I've applied for protective service. I got the job, which is good news. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I've gone to the job, so it's, at, it's a part of the police, it's just not a police officer, it's a little bit different. So I've gone to the academy, it's only like a two-week academy thing, and they've said to me, congratulations on getting the job. If you do really good for one year, we can fast-track you into the police force, as long as you meet all our criteria and do a really good job. So this has never been offered before, this is the first time they've ever had anything like this. So I was one of the first ones that ever got this opportunity. So, at the, so yeah, that year I worked as hard as I could, got promoted really quickly, took as many shifts on as I could. I just worked my heart out because I thought this, this is the right thing to do. So then at the end of the year, I put my hand up again and said, yes, I still want to be a police officer. So I got to do the interview stage, like it just fast-tracked. So it was still the same process, just a little bit quicker. So I got to do the interviews, the uh, physicals, everything. So I felt so positive and so pumped that I've done a really good job. And then this brings me to... May 15th, 2017. So my wife and my mother will know this one really, really well. So this is my mum's birthday, is May 15. And we're having, the rest of the family were having a family dinner. I might have been at Brassel or somewhere like that. And I had a soccer match that night. So I hadn't played for three or four weeks before and I wouldn't play for three or four weeks after. So I was adamant that I wanted to play. However, my mother really wanted me 
to go to dinner. She was pretty adamant. She was like, yeah, no, we really want you to come. Like, it'd be good to spend time with the family. And then I was like, no, no, it's all good. I really want to play soccer. <laughs> so then, so that's first point, listen to your mother. So then my then girlfriend, now wife, Gabby, we've jumped in the car, we've started driving to soccer. And she looks at me and says, I don't think we should go to soccer. I think we should go to dinner. So as a, as a, as a, a boyfriend at that stage, I've ignored her and just kept driving. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've just yep, kept driving saying like, no, nah, that's all right. I really want to play soccer. So we keep driving and then it happens again. Gabby looks at me and goes, Zion, I think we should go to dinner. We're not playing soccer. And I was like, so I was really torn at that moment. So I've pulled over on the Warriga Highway, stopped the vehicle and then, like, we've, we've spoke about it, and Gabby's like, yep, I don't think we should go. I think we should go to dinner. And I was like, nah, you know, like, I want to play soccer. So I was stubborn. So I don't know if you're hearing all the red flags at the moment. So some God's trying to get my attention. So we've, we've gone to soccer. I play centre fullback. Well, I did. I'm retired now. So, so I play centre fullback. The other team was way better than us they were just carving us up left and right and I got really frustrated because I sort of take sports a little bit too seriously so I got really frustrated and my motto for sports is if you can't beat them hit them which is probably not a good no one take that to heart like that's probably not it yeah so I got yeah really frustrated so I've gone in really hard for this header so the ball's up in the air I've jumped up as I've gone to header it I've cracked heads with the other player, which has then knocked me out. I've hit the ground really badly, and I just remember waking up, and there's blood streaming down my face. So I've got up, tried to go off the field, and as I do, I just keep collapsing. And I, I, I had no idea, get off. Then I eventually go to hospital. So me and Gabby have only been dating for a few weeks at this stage, so she's seen this dramatic incident. And, <laughs> and now we're married. So the, <laughs> So, yeah, so then I go to hospital, get a few x-rays. A few days later, I have to go in for surgery for my ankle. So it turned out I ruptured every single ligament in my left ankle, did a fracture, high ankle sprain, four stitches in my head, two screws in there now. So I couldn't walk for, for nine months from that point. Okay? The story gets even better. Okay? So before I get there, so the keys from that, listen to your wife, listen to your mother, listen to God. So two days after I got the injury, the Queensland Police Service calls me and says, hey, congratulations, Zeon, you've been accepted into the police academy. Can you start in two weeks? So this is like a six-year process now. So I had to tell them over the phone, sorry, I've got to reject your offer because I've done my ankle. So that was really heartbreaking. So in Psalms 1 verse 5, it says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. <laughs> In this story, I definitely didn't listen to the guidance of others. To, their, like, to people who I highly trust and who always give me words of wisdom, which is Gabby and my mother. So God was trying to speak to me that whole time, but I didn't listen. I wasn't tuned in. Life sometimes gets on top of us and we become so busy that when God is speaking to us, we don't even hear but our God is a good and gracious God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So nine months later, ankles healed, I can walk again, and then I finally get accepted into the police service. 
So three years on from there is now. So I've been a police officer that whole time, loving it, doing well. So even if we don't hear what God is saying in that moment, he can always put us on that right path. So God can speak to us in all these ways that I've said, plus an infinite amount more through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, through prayers, through visions, through dreams, through others, uh, through past experiences and through this amazing world that we live in. God is always speaking to us, but it is us who are not hearing. So who remembers a while back when TVs didn't have remote controls? So you'd have to, because I remember as a kid having that, and you'd have to jump up out of the lounge, walk up and you'd have like two dials. One, the top dial was to get close to the channel seven. So you'd click it and it'd get close. And then the bottom one was to tune in the frequency. Yeah, that is a... <laughs> oh, sorry, I've just lost my spot again. So God is always transmitting to us. So how do we find that right station to tune in? How do we tune our frequency? So I've just got a few points, so just four points that I just want to finish on of how we can tune into the God station. So the first point is to know your Bible. Like I said earlier, his word is living. And the more we know his word, his scriptures, the easier it is for us to discern what he's trying to say to us. Number two, get rid of all distractions. In 1 King 19 verse 11, it says, God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. So we have a tendency as human beings to become so busy and so distracted that God can be speaking directly to us, but we, we're just so distracted we can't hear it. So it's like catching up with an old friend and you're on your phone the whole time and they're talking to you. You're not taking in anything that's being said. So getting into a nice, quiet space, just you and God gives you the opportunity to hear and listen. So like Pastor Tim said this morning, Zimza, is that it? Zim, Zimza? <laughs> so we need to make room inside of ourselves to allow God in so then he can move. Third point, let's make prayer a two-way street. A lot of the times prayer is just us asking God for things, like a to-do list. So the truth is it's better when we pray if we allow it for opportunities for God to speak to us and give us his guidance. So his guidance will always line up with his word. It's black and white. He'll never tell you to do something that doesn't align with his Bible, with the word. So he'll never tell you to be afraid when the Bible clearly says, do not be afraid. And then the final point, it's pretty simple. Ask God to speak to you. Just cry out and ask him. In Luke 11, 11 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give you a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though are evil, know how, good, how, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the title of my message is Stop, Look and Listen. Stop, be still, no distractions. Look, read the Bible, study and meditate on it. Listen, pray and ask God for his guidance. Stop, look and listen, baby. That's my philosophy. <laughs> Elvis, if you... Hey, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your guidance through your word, through your prayers, through your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that everybody in this congregation are able to hear from you clearly, 
and with purpose. I pray that you will help guide us through whatever life throws at us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we'll just welcome Mitch onto the stage as well. Awesome, awesome. Great to see you all here. Um, I actually really love the point, uh, what Zion was saying, how if you want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible audibly. Like that's, that's actually quite profound if you think about it. Like I'm going to take that away and do that. Um, look, if you don't know me, my name is Mitch. I've been coming to Centro about 17 years now. Um, if you don't know me, come up and greet me. I know I look intimidating, but I'm a nice guy, so um, come up after. Um, earlier on in the year, you listened to Nick, my brother, and Jaden, my brother, and even my girlfriend, Sky. So I guess Tim was saving the best for last, so let's get into it, eh? <laughs> Um, tonight, I just want to quer- share a quick thought that I've been having over the past few months, and it's really been sitting on my heart, and I hope that there's something that I say today that you can pick out of and take home. So, just to get into it, when we mention the term Christian, a number of ideas and stereotypes pop up into our head, and over the past 20 or 30 years, those stereotypes might have changed. Um, but one that's kind of consistent is the nice Christian, the nice person. We think of Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, that really nice, chirpy fella. Or we think about the little old lady who lives down the street and says, God bless you as you drive past or whatever. Or we think of Jesus holding the little lamb and everything. Um, but So there's this image that Christians are meant to be nice, which is all well and good, and we're not called to be rude, obnoxious people. Like That's not what God wants us. But if the end goal is for us to be nice Christians, we've missed the point of what God wants us to do. If the end goal is to be nice, we've missed it. Um, In Matthew, Jesus says, And I tell you, Peter, this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when I first listened to this verse when I was a younger fella, I always thought of, you know, hell fighting against heaven, and it's a struggle between good and evil, an arm wrestle between Satan and Jesus, and it's the gates of hell versus the church. But if you actually think about the verse, that doesn't make sense. Like, what are gates anyway? Gates are a fixed location protecting the perimeter, allowing people in and out. And it's actually Jesus saying... Us as the church, we're going to go to the gates of hell and they're not going to stand and we're going to get people out of there. And so that kind of goes to the title of my message today, if you're taking notes or whatever. It's called Aggressive Christianity. And in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to explain to us how followers of Jesus, we can be aggressive in our faith. So point number one, be violent. Quite a heavy point to start on. Quite a heavy point to start on, but it may not sound too Christian, but let me explain it. In Matthew, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. People get the wrong idea of Jesus sometimes. Like he was this nice, friendly fellow, loving fellow, but he was also quite aggressive at the same time. We always think of Jesus with the children's and the lambs and being real nice and friendly. But there's this time in the Bible where Jesus went into the temple. He saw all the um, stalls set up and people selling. So he's gone away, taken some cord, wrapped it up into a whip, walked back into the temple and starts cracking it around, driving people out. Another time he goes to see the Pharisees and he calls them a brood of vipers calling out their hypocrisy. Can you imagine Pastor Tim going to the pastor's breakfast and calling out all the other pastors saying, you brood of vipers, like, it's quite an aggressive thing to do. And it talks about in Revelations when Jesus comes back, he's going to have fire in his eyes, a robe dipped in blood, he's going to come on a white horse and he's going to have a thigh tattoo, like that's, that's this is all pretty aggressive stuff. And so... When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force, he was talking about John the Baptist's ministry. 
and how the people who responded to John the Baptist's ministry were so hungry and eager to see the coming Messiah. It was as if an army was attacking a city just to get in, just to grab hold of something that the Messiah had. And Jesus was saying that we have to be violent in our faith if, if we want to grab hold of it. If we want to see God move in this city and in our communities, we have to get violent, we have to get aggressive, we have to get hungry for him. We have to be out there with the mindset that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that we will go in there. Um, and we will violently take the kingdom into our schools, our workplaces, families, etc., etc. In Ephesians, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil. It's basically describing a war. We're at war with evil. Um, and so there's weapons for that as well. Um, so we have weapons, you know. Zeon was talking about listening to God. What's he saying in his word, in the moment? Quiet yourself. We can also say prayer, fasting, signs, wonders, miracles. They're all good stuff. They're all the weapons that we use to fight. In 2 Corinthians it says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, but on the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have to be violently aggressive in our faith to bring the kingdom into our communities. Like an attacking army, a city taking it by force. On to my second point. Putting on the armour of God. If we're going to be aggressive in this battle, in this war against the powers of evil, we have to protect ourselves too. Um, Because sometimes when we're making noise for the kingdom, we're taking ground, we're seeing people saved, we're getting into schools and whatnot, the devil likes to throw us some curveballs. So we have to be prepared. As a nurse up across the road, I'm a healthcare hero, you know someone's got to do it on the front lines and everything. Um, But each day I get to work, I get my hand over sheet, I see what patients are on my ward, I see what they're in for, their comorbidities, their past history, what's the plan for them. And then I get handover from the nurses saying, well, this is what happens on the last shift and this is what we have to do now. And then I go and make a plan for the day. Like I have to prepare myself every time I go into work or I'm just going to be useless. I have to prepare myself each time I go in the hospital to actually be efficient. And like that, in Ephesians, it talks about the armour of God, putting on the armour of God, preparing ourselves. It talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel, shield of the faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Um, so I think it's important for us to put this on before we go to battle, because if we're going to get violent, we need to protect ourselves too. So I just want to quickly have a bit of a chat about each of these things in the armour that it talks about. The belt of truth. The belt was used to tuck in clothing or weapons or armour and hold everything together. It's important that we know God's truth and use his truth to tie us together. So when the devil comes to try and unnerve us and tell us lies, we already know God's truth about us. Breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was used to protect the torso and vital organs, including your heart. We have to protect our heart from emotions, from offence, from hurt, um, because these things are going to come our way. We have to not get offended with things that come across our past. Feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Having peace and knowing the person of peace, who is Jesus, will prevent you from wavering. It'll keep you standing firm, tall and strong when the hard things come your way and prevent you from falling down. Shield of faith. The shield is used to extinguish the fiery arrows from the evil one. When you feel like you're under attack, it's important that you know who you have faith in and what you have faith in. This one's my favourite one. Helmet of salvation. Protect your mindset. Protect your head. Battles are won and lost in the mind. Remember what what your salvation brought. Victory, healing, peace, joy, righteousness, seated in heavenly realms. Protect your mindset. And the sword of the spirit. The only thing in the armour that's actually an offensive weapon what we go on the offensive with, what I spoke about earlier and what Zion spoke about before. The word of God. Let's listen to him. What's he saying in the moment? What's he saying about these situations? Let's use that to attack the enemy. 
Um, if we're going to do battle with the enemy, if we're going to get aggressive and violent in our faith, we have to remember to protect ourselves first. And my third point, be humble. Quite a contrast to be violent and putting on an armour, but it actually ties in really well to it all. It's important not to lose sight of why we are doing this. Being humble keeps us grounded and stops us from getting a big head. When we start taking ground in the kingdom, seeing miracles, signs and wonders, all this good stuff, sometimes we have a tendency to start focusing it back on ourselves. So it's, we need to start realigning why we're doing this and who we're doing this for. Um, I've been coming to Centro for about 17 years now, and that means there's a lot of stories about me when I was younger. Um, stories that keep me humbled and stories I don't like to remember, but... Um, there's one story that Brett loves to tell about people. So I was 12 years old and I was just uh, first started coming to youth and Brett was at the barbecue and I was a little 12-year-old with ADHD, full of energy, full of fizzy, just bouncing around off the walls. And I've gone up to this barbecue here and there's a little bottle of water there and I thought, oh man, this would be funny if I sprayed it in Brett's face without him seeing. And so I picked up the water bottle, sprayed it straight in his face and guy go, ha, 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 look, at you're all wet now. And then Brett's just like doubled over, like, like crying in pain. I'm like, and I take another look at the bottle and it says Windex on it. And so I've just chemi- chemically burnt Brett's eyes out and just laughing at him while he's doubled over in pain. So that's a story I personally would like to forget, but Brett likes to bring it up. Um, but it's just one way that Brett tries to keep me humble. <laughs> but back to the main point. In Luke it says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, and they were talking about the verse, the blessed, blessed are the meek, shall they, because they shall inherit the earth. And they were saying when meekness is talked about in the Bible, they're not talking about like a weak, timid, placid person. They're actually talking about a person of great power that is controlled and uses his powers beneficially. And if we get that mindset that we're geared to be violent in the spiritual, that we're geared to be aggressive, but we're actually meek and we use our powers beneficially, that'll humble ourselves. We need to remember we are capable of great aggression and violence, but we're only going to use it beneficially. We need to be humble in our aggression, and we need to keep our eyes on God and not lose sight of what we're doing. Um, so preparing this sermon over the past week or so, like it's been on my heart for a few months, like what the season we're going into and everything, um, how I can be more aggressive in my faith, in my workplace, um, how to put on the armour of God to protect myself from things that are going to come my way, to protect me from offence and hurt and protect my mindset and everything. Um, and it's also about thinking ways that I can keep myself humble and protect my heart and not get too big for my boots as we see things move forward in God and whatnot. And I hope there was a little bit of thing in there that you could pick up and Um, being aggressive for the kingdom and everything. I just want to say a quick prayer before I end. Father, I pray that um, there's a little bit of something I could drop into someone's heart tonight, that we can be aggressive in our face, that we don't have to be placid, sitting in our seats and just waiting for the next thing to happen, that it's not all about being nice, but it's about being on the front foot, that we'll see this church go against the gates of hell and we will prevail in that. We can put on the armour of God and protect ourselves at the same time and protect our families, protect our communities, and that we can be humble in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast.